Well, hello again out there and welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast where we believe the best idea wins and we're here to help you generate lots of good ideas. And to do so, we have to bring on smart people who have been there and done that uh, to help us generate uh, lots of good ideas so that you can generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. This week, we've got Lawrence Castillo from Brody Pinnell Heating and Air Conditioning back on for the third time Back on by popular demand. Um, I was looking at the charts earlier. Uh, the the app that we use to do all of our podcast streaming, it'll show us the top 10 episodes ever uh, downloaded. And both of the episodes we've recorded with him have been in the top 10 of all 130 episodes. So this will be a good episode. Lawrence brings a lot of great knowledge. So super excited. Let's go ahead and dig in. Welcome back, everyone. Lawrence, how are you doing? I'm good, Eric. How are you? I'm I'm great. I am super excited to have you back on the show again. Because uh, every time you're on, I, I learn something new about you, about the industry, about ways that we can improve even what we do for contractors. So I'm super excited to just chat with you here for next uh, little bit of time and uh, and see what you've got going on. So um, before we get started. Uh, we've missed the fantasy football recap for the past few weeks, but I know Lawrence is in Los Angeles. So I just want to take a moment and uh, pay my respects for the Rams because they just have not been something's off. They don't look like a, a, a returning Super Bowl champion. How the mighty have fallen, right? How the mighty it, have fallen. It's, it's it, really sad. Yesterday's game, um, they showed a lot of shots afterwards and nothing but 49er fans in the building. It's just, it's almost embarrassing. And yeah, so that was a one and done. Yeah. All right. It is back by popular demand. We are going to be going through the fantasy football standings. We're halfway through the season, folks. And it's anyone's game right now, at least in the East. We got the East and the West. In the West, we got Jason Blevins and DJ Meadows tied at first place with a six and one record. Uh, people below that just better luck next year. Uh, but in the East, we got three teams that are tied for first place at a record of three and four, which is just pathetic. And I'm one of them. Uh, I lost this week to someone that forgot to set their roster and had two people on bye weeks. So if I win at all anymore this year, then that's just humiliating. Um, anyone's game right now, but it's looking like Noah Clark from Contractor Commerce. DJ Meadows from Alltemp and Jason Blevins from Low E Reflective Insulation are uh, the current league contenders for all the money. Anyways, let's get to business. Lawrence, how's it going? Good, good. I thanks for having me back. It's uh, you're a, uh, a gracious host, and it's always nice to have a chance to share with the contractors that tune in every week. So I'm I'm humbled and happy to be here yeah yeah no we're, we're super excited to have you back um so let's go ahead and recap because we we've had you on we had you on last year toward about the same time uh, and then we had you on 
early-ish this year. I think maybe the first quarter of the year, maybe early Q2. Uh, so here we are in Q4. Let's go ahead and recap a little bit of 2022 for Brody Pinnock. I know you all have had another uh, great year. So let's chat about that for a little bit. Sure. It's, um, you know, we're in, in a very short amount of time here in this business. We've really ratcheted it up and we're on a, a great trajectory. Um, in less than two years, we've doubled the size of the business. Um, you know, our top line, we've grown tremendously, but the bottom line is really where it's, you know, it's, but there's been a huge impact. So we've just executed a great plan and this business is, you know, we're 77 years old. And um, so we have a lot of name recognition in this marketplace. And it's just being able to take advantage of that and to execute properly and, you know, to uphold the, the heritage of the name. And so it's been a great couple of years, just very proud of the work that we've done here. Yeah, and something that's remarkable that I remember you won last year, and you've also you won it again this year, which is the uh, the, the best HVAC company in LA by the readers of the Los Angeles Times. Now, this isn't just your typical best of business Chesapeake, Virginia, like we've got here. Like this is this is the LA Times. These are this is in my my opinion that's kind of a a big a big deal. Um, how do you how do you pull that off in a market? such as Los Angeles, where you're competing with service champions and their footprint out there and next gen and some of these other big dogs that are in that same market. Um, well, and, and you know, I'm friends with the folks that own those businesses and, but their new entrance into the Los Angeles market, you know, service champions is an orange County company that within the last couple of years bought a couple of LA you know, LA area businesses. So they're new in the market. Um, Next Gen is an Orange County company that the last couple of years, this is their first foray into this market. Gettle, you know, same thing. They just, these are, these are businesses that haven't been in Los Angeles. And, you know, so as you can imagine, trying to achieve market penetration in a city like this, it's difficult, takes time. Um, and I think, you know, all of them, they have a great plan to, to grow their business in, in LA County. Um, you know, we've been here for 77 years. So the people of Los Angeles know us, they trust us. Um, and there's always going to be competition. You know, there's 10,000 contractors in LA and there are some good ones. Um, but you know, we try to really, Eric, it's about customer service. People vote for us because we give them an amazing, you know, customer service experience and we preach it, we teach it. Um, we work on it every day in this business. And uh, this morning I was standing in front of a class of new hires, explaining to them the way that we run our tune-up and why it's successful and why people call us. And there's nothing, you know, not anything less than that is unacceptable. So the, the service that we give people is what allows us to win awards like this. We're humbled. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite an honor when the readers vote for it. So, yeah. And you all recently moved, expanded into a much larger facility that is um, definitely, in my opinion, I think that's definitely a great move for growth. It is a uh, much higher visibility, um, just a bigger facility. And, you know, what goes along with that is just a greater opportunity to streamline your operation, uh, 
to prepare to serve your customer better, right? We have more room for our customer service team. We have more room for our warehouse to stage equipment. It's just, it's better for everybody. And additionally, I think from a morale standpoint, it was a great move. Um, we were in a building that we had been in for years and years and years, decades. And, um, you know, it was the, the people of your business begin to take on the, um, the, the, the character of the building that they're working in. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was just time for a refresh. And this has been a great move, put a lot of money into this, into this move. And, um, it's paying dividends. Everybody's really happy here. So, yeah. Well, I can certainly personally attest to the, uh, the old building and what it was like. Cause I, I was there one time and, uh, you, you visited. That's correct. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to check out the new digs because it looks really nice from the outside. I've seen pictures on the inside and it looks great. And I was reading, uh, the, the press release that went out about that big move. And it had mentioned on there that you all have been serving customers and you serve their parents and their grandparents. And so what is that? I know like this is kind of just a off the wall question here. Like what kind of feeling does that portray to you and the company knowing that you've been serving generations of homeowners and families in Los Angeles? It, it, it's a high degree of responsibility. Um, when you think about the fact that there are just hundreds of people that came before us that worked in this business since 1945 mm -hmm. and they worked hard to acquire customers and to establish trust and to build rapport enough so that those people decided to be a, a Brody Pinnell customer. And, you know, the, the, the old saying that it takes years to gain a customer, but only seconds to lose one. Um, we don't want to lose any customers. I don't want to lose anybody that joined us in 1950 or 1975 or 2000. So that's why we're really just, we preach about customer service here. We have a lot to protect and, um, you know, we just want to make sure we do a great job for each and every father and daughter and son and all the way down the line, everybody that's chosen to, to do business with us through the generations. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, few other things that I had in mind that I wanted to kind of hit on was, uh, as everyone knows, we're kind of right in the middle of conference season. It's starting to wind down a little bit. I'll be in Phoenix from Wednesday to Friday of this week. So if you're listening to this right now, I am on a plane heading to Phoenix uh, for the Women in HVACR conference. I'm going to record some live podcasts there, uh, get some good content for you all. Um, but we're, we're kind of winding down on the conference season for the year. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, it was like back to back to back. And you were, uh, you, you got up on stage and spoke at an event, correct? I did. Um, um, I, I was fortunate enough, Victor Rancour, who I hired once upon a time at Service Champions uh, some seven or eight years ago. Um, he had an event in Las Vegas and um, I had the chance to speak to two breakout sessions and, you know, there was a couple of hundred people in each room and, um, just thankful to be uh, able to be a part of it. Thankful to be able to stand in front of as many contractors as there were and just, you know, help to relay some expertise. Um, you know, these, these events are so good for the industry. You know, you, uh, you know how you have friends and from college and friends from high school that you're, you stay connected with on Facebook. Um, we all have friends 
through, you know, from the industry that we've known forever. I, I spent some time with Ken Goodrich there and I've known Ken since probably 2005. You, you just know these people for so long and it's just so great to be able to stand in the same room as, as them and, and just catch up. So had a great time. Thankful to, to Victor for allowing me the opportunity and uh, just love when we're able to see the people that we haven't seen for a long time and swap stories. Yeah. And I definitely agree. We, we took our team down to service world expo and uh, you know, a couple of them have been to meetings before smaller conferences where it was, you know, a little bit lighter of a crowd, but uh, we brought, I think I brought five folks with us and multiple of them had never been to a conference before. And for me, these conferences, it's like, like you said, it's kind of like a, like a high school reunion. You see all these people, you know, I've had 130 guests on the podcast and at any given time at these conferences, I'll run into 40 of them. And so immediately you're walking in, you're, you're seeing all these people, you know, and it's like, how are you? And you pick right up where you left off. And they were, I could tell by the end of the first night, they were like, are we done yet? Like there's so many people that we're meeting. Um, but I, I agree. I think that they're, they're great just for the networking and the, the relationships alone. Um, they're, they're great. So when you, when you spoke at Victor's event, what was the, what was the key takeaway from your session? Uh, I, I shared the stage with Daniel Arroyas, who um, he sold seven and a half million dollars of air conditioning last year in Los Angeles, and um, he worked worked for me at Service Champions, and so we just talked about the process that you know that we've been able to use to be successful um, and to you know to help other contractors. There's a lot of small shops that were represented there. I talked to so many people. Um, after the event and during the event that, you know, they've got 10 employees and they're just looking for ideas. It's amazing the amount of people that, that came from far away from small shops and owners that have invested and they brought like five or six people um, because they wanted the exposure, right? Like there were just, you know, Tommy Mello's talking and, and it just, successful people who don't mind sharing the things that they know. So uh, just great opportunity and um, loved sharing and answering questions. And so it was, it was great. Yeah. What do you think, you know, as we're, I mean, we're definitely one month into Q4 about, I mean, it's, it's Halloween today. Uh, so tomorrow's November 1st. When you're listening to this, it'll be November 2nd. So it won't be too outdated of information. Um, what, what's some of the opportunities in, in the fourth quarter for contractors kind of as we round third and head home on the year? Um, I think that this is the most important quarter of the year. Um, you know, I'm in a city that in Los Angeles where, there's, there's, we don't get much help, right? Um, we, there's no weather to speak of here. Mm -hmm. It's, it's furnace season is, it's mild here in the winter and it's mild here in the summer. And so we have to um, work really hard and be prepared. And so we use this quarter to prepare ourselves for next year, right? We're into November and um, you know, if you if you're not sophisticated enough to have prepared yourself for this time of the year, this is a real tough time, right? And that's the thing that contractors need advice on is the preparation for this time of the year, right? The business contracts and you have to be able to respond and adapt and make sure that you're not in trouble. Um, so we, we know that it's coming every year. Some folks just don't plan for it. So 
Yeah, I, I agree. So when we're planning for like fall and winter, um, what are some of the things that like the, the most important items that need to be like planned for and thought of in advance? Every department, um, marketing. We know that at this time of the year, once the calendar flips on November, everyone's thinking about something else, right? It's not about having people to come in to, to, to do service on the furnace. They're thinking about the holidays. They're thinking about all their expenses. This is a tough time and you have to be really good at, at understanding where your phone calls are going to come from. Um, and your service base has to be enough to sustain you, right? Um, but the marketing that you do do has to be super effective, right? Or you're just, you're really wasting precious resources. Um, you know, and once again, in a city where there's no weather to help, we have to really be good at creating urgency. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to be better at recruiting in the fourth quarter of the year. Um, you know, if you're training your own technicians, the life cycle of preparing a technician is about 10 weeks before you can put him in the field. Then he needs about 60 days before he can become really a productive member of your, of your, you know, your technician base. And that's, that's like four and a half months. So you get somebody going right now and that takes you into March. So, and, you know, March, you're knocking on the door of summer. So, you know, you have to really have your recruiting plan. You know, you, as you're establishing your budget for next year, there's a manpower count that you have to hit. And, but the hiring has to continue through the holidays. I know that some companies probably don't, aren't doing that. And they're wondering why they're not growing. But for me, I hired more people last year in November, December, and January than any other part of the year. And I continue to, um, I think that you, like we mentioned, you have to be better at creating urgency in, you know, this part of the year. Um, we, I incentivize my technicians. We, the training, we ratchet up the training at this time of the year. Um, it's, we have to be better in the house and there is no weather to create urgency for us. So we have to be really good at doing that. Um, you have to be, like I said, with, with, with recruiting, you have to be better at employee retention during this quarter of the year, because your competition is waiting to hire your disgruntled technicians um, who don't have enough calls or your installers who you're sending home without work. Mm -hmm. So you have to check in with your employees. You have to feed them. You have to uh, have events for them. You have to keep them engaged um, because if not, then they're going to be with somebody else's employee in the next 30 to 60 days. Um, I think that you should be better with accountability during this time of year. Um, this is a chance to really drill down and, and take a look at everybody's performance when it's not inflated by, you know, by weather. And you're going to see who your performers are, right? This is a time of the year when, you know, you, you only have X amount of calls to give and you want to put them in the hands of the guys who are going to, uh, you know, make the most of them. The business depends upon it, right? You, you have to have enough installations for, for your installers. You have to have enough, you know, work. So I think that a greater concentration on, on the numbers at this time of the year is important. Um, you know, we all have, we all fight all year and, and, and to, you know, to get to this point, we're trying to cross the finish line strong, um, trying to make it 
through the winter. Um, so we all have to keep what we have and what, what's brought us here to this point. So it's the sophisticated contractors are doing the things necessary to set themselves up for next year, but at the same time, just keeping everybody engaged and, you know, all hands on deck to make sure there's enough work for everybody. Yeah. And that's a takeaway that I've been uh, seeing a lot with, with events, you know, the, the, all the events, it's great. You learn so much good stuff at these events, um, creating processes and procedures, creating a great team culture, management, leadership, all this good stuff. Um, but then you get back and it's, it's in the middle of October and it's 60 degrees in the morning and it's 70 degrees at night. And no one's, I mean, I haven't touched my thermostat in at least three weeks. I don't even, so you, you, it, there's no, there's no demand. I mean, there is some demand here and there, but it's not like it is in the summer. In the summertime, you can spit into the air and catch an install right. if you want. But, but right now you got to, like you said, you got to create urgency and you got to be sure that when that demand call does come in, that you are ready to pounce on top of it. And so what we see is just like you mentioned this time of year, people flop on their marketing. They 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 completely disregard recruitment because they think, well, I don't have any jobs, so I can't hire anyone. And then they're not creating urgency because they're not calling their customer base. They're not doing anything to get the phone to ring. Um, and so they're not retaining employees. So their employees are out being courted by another company who has a, a, a full install board for tomorrow. And has a full job board for for Wednesday and Thursday, um, and so then what happens is there becomes this blame game and these fingers being pointed at whose fault it is. Uh, but I mean, I think the reality is like you, you, I know you probably should have planned before Q4, but like it's it's not too late to kind of figure it out now, especially because the winter is just around the corner. Um, it's not too late. It's you know everybody who has a stake in in their business. Um, they can wake up tomorrow and change their own fate, right? But it's just, it's spending the time and developing a plan. And so many people just don't have a solid plan as to how they're going to handle any of this stuff, right? A lot of these contractors might hear that, oh, you got to hire a bunch of people in the next 90 days. Yeah, because guess what? Next July, when it's 100 degrees somewhere, and you have more calls than you know what to do with, and you don't have enough guys to run them, this was your opportunity, right? Yeah. Um, so we've just got to be better at everything at this time of the year. And, um, but it's not too late. It's, it's just making adjustments, right? It's what good, good football teams do at halftime, right? They go in and they make the adjustments necessary. And if you can do that, great things can happen. Yeah. Uh, well, just like the 49ers did yesterday. They, uh, <laughs> they decided to start having their, uh, their uh their their bell cow running backs start catching touchdown passes and throwing touchdown passes <laughs> he's a he's a special player right yeah he's just he's an overachiever and everybody in that family they all went to you know the dad coaches them all in in high school in colorado and everybody from that family just is an overachiever and yeah uh, you know you gotta you gotta admire that so if you were if you were in a position where the calls weren't coming in because demand wasn't there, which that happens. If you're listening to this and you're, and you, you think we're bullying you, we're not bullying you. It happens this time of year. Uh, regardless of what you read online, there is a, a weather 
factor in this business. Um, so if you were in the, in the shoes of a contractor who wasn't getting demand calls, employees were leaving, um, there was no urgency for jobs. And so you were really just kind of struggling to kind of hold it all together for the next two or three months. What's the first thing you would do to pull yourself out of that situation? I would reach out to my network of friends who are contractors, the ones that I just talked about, uh, you know, seeing at that event last weekend um, and find out what's working for them. This is, this is why the relationships that we make in this industry are so important. It's so that when the chips are down, you can call your friends and say, Hey, what is working for you? Right. Um, what's working for me. We sell service agreements. We sell memberships every day and it is something that all of our technicians know how big of a part of their job that is that if you can go out and sell a membership today and create two visits that's it's huge and if i've got you know everybody doing it then we're creating so much work that that's our rainy day money right it's i if if i need 300 calls a day and weather's mild and the, and the phone is going to ring 87, uh, we're going to book 87 calls, uh, you know, organically, then I know that I need 200 plus other calls. And if I have a great service agreement base to, to bank on, then that's great. But, you know, there are so many other ways that at this time of the year that we create other work, you have your service base, right? All of these people that you've They've done business with you. You've captured their email address. You have to be emailing them. You have to be reaching out to them. If they're a captive audience, they open your emails. You know, your click-through rate will show that they open it, offer them something compelling. You can create work today. Mm -hmm. um, your social media channels, you know, these everybody's got their phone in their hands 24 hours a day, and everybody checks their Facebook and their Instagram and all of that stuff. You can reach meaningful business today if you know what you're doing there um th there's just you know and the smart companies also are doing stuff like tagging the doors right you go and run a call and when technician is done he's tagging you know a couple of doors to the left a couple of doors to the right and three doors across the street with you know the the sticker on the door that says Hey, we just did service on your block today. We'd love to take care of you now with this, you know, with the neighborhood discount. It's the little things that add up because if I have 50 technicians out there tagging seven doors, you know, on every of the three calls that they run, my marketing expense on that is nothing. And yeah, I'll get a return, you know. So yeah. lots of ways to overcome this stuff. But I think the first thing is you reach out to your friends in the industry and ask them what's working for them and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think um, there is so much low hanging fruit in private Facebook groups for contractors. Um, you just go in there like on your personal account and you can be honest with them. Like I'm in a neighborhood group for my neighborhood, maybe a thousand homes. Every one of those 1,000 homes were built in the exact same year by the exact same contractor. So when one of us is experiencing an issue and someone says, I need help because X, there's typically 15 to 20 comments of other people saying, oh my gosh, I just had that same thing happen. Here's who I used. Or they're saying, oh, that, oh, 
struggling with the same thing right now. My, you know, my circuit breaker is not working, blah, blah, blah. Um, you go in there on your own personal profile and say, Hey, my name is so-and-so and I run a heating and air conditioning business. Then I live in this neighborhood with you. I'm one of your neighbors. Uh, we're not, you know, we, we have availability this week to take calls for neighbors only using this discount, whatever. You'll get some work out of that. That is great advice. And I've done that exact same thing. Um, so my own next door account um, in our neighborhood, every once in a while, you'll see somebody ask, hey, does anybody know an air conditioning company? And the, a ton of responses, at least where I live, you know, 60 or 70 responses. And interestingly enough, it's always an unlicensed truck in a truck that they're endorsing saying, oh, he's got the best prices and honest work. And I mean, he's unlicensed. Like that's, you know, that's dishonest from the beginning. So, you know, be polite about it, be kind about it, but say, hey, you know, we've been in business since 1945. You know, we have X amount of technicians and X amount of trucks on the road and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, be, you know, don't be afraid to, to you know, to go and say that, you're the kind of company that all the people that you're talking to should be dealing with as opposed to, you know, the guy doing it out of his house. Yeah. And in my, my opinion on this, and I know that this is certainly just an opinion. Uh, my opinion is if you are, if anyone listening to this is truly as dedicated to providing a good service as they say they are, then you're doing your neighbors a disservice by not putting your name in the hat and saying, Hey, you should call a licensed contractor that is not you know some fly-by-night guy that's going to show up with busted windows on this white van um you're doing them a disservice by just standing by and, and letting them so anyways low-hanging fruit in those facebook next door groups i know a lot of people you know don't like to get on facebook on their own personal page and do that stuff but if you're struggling with demand you need to create urgency it's a great place to start i agree i've been we've been using that and people contact us all the time and the, so, th this is, you know, we were talking about just having a lot of different varieties of places that the calls can be coming from at this time of the year. And that's, that's one of them. You have to leverage all of this stuff. You know, there's, there's an audience out there and these are people that talk to each other. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So when we're thinking about planning in that same regard, uh, 2023 is just around the corner. Um, what does planning and setup look like for, for 2023 um, from your perspective? What should contractors be doing? Um, this next year is going to be a little different for all of us. Um, there are the government regulations, um, the level of efficiency of equipment. It's all changing in 2023. And so we need to spend the next couple of months training our people um, about the changes so that they can educate our customers. Um, and it's funny because it's caused an interruption near term uh, in the supply chain for all of us, right? We're out there selling, you know, a certain condenser. Um, and guess what? That condenser, there's, they're no longer in production. The manufacturer has timed it so they're going to run out of stock right now. And they're introducing the one that's going to be compliant for next year right now. So for us, for my business, we've had to overhaul our price book in real time, right? Like right now, 
you're taking stuff out as stock disappears and you're putting new models in as, as that stuff reappears, the, the price structure is completely different. Um, so for those of us who have multiple lines of equipment, it's an exercise to get your price book together right now. But furthermore, to educate, you know, all of your, your technicians and salespeople so that they can properly go into a house and address this with the customer and understand it better than, you know, whoever you're competing with. So that's a, that's a huge part of preparation for next year. It's not like it was coming out of 2021 into this year. So you need to work on, on that part of it. That's, you know, that's huge for us right now. We've been talking about it for weeks. And for those companies that haven't talked about it, there's a huge federal tax credit coming. And um, so it's, you know, you, you've got to get that on the table and you've got to start to educate your folks about that. Yeah. I saw on Facebook a while back, like when the news first started coming out about like SEER 2 and all this stuff, a lot of people were using it as an opportunity. I'm not going to say it was like a scare tactic, but so many people were like, oh, the prices of everything are going to be so much higher next year. You got to get in right now and you got to do this and that. Um, what? How do you all go about educating customers on changes to efficiency and changes to prices and stuff like that? Because that's, I mean, prices have been going up on everything. They're going to continue to go up on everything. And it's, it's, it can be a touchy subject. How do you guys go about communicating that to the customer? If you are, if you've built great rapport and if you've gone into the house and done everything right, the conversation's easy, right? Um, whether you're service or sales, doesn't matter. It's, everybody knows the price of everything has gone up and continues to go up. That part of it, we don't really have a problem with here, right? Um, this coming from where, you know, gas is six and a half bucks a gallon, right? Everybody's, everybody knows, everybody knows what's going on here. Um, but as far as the, the efficiency changes, this is a reward. This is a reward for the, for the consumer, right? The government is incentivizing people to be more energy efficient. And, you know, they've done this in the past. There was a $1,500 tax credit. If you replaced your equipment back in the, I don't know, 2007, eight, nine, 10, right in that range. And it, it really helped a lot of us contractors. Everybody remembers that. That was mm -hmm. the last really big tax credit that the, the government offered. Um, and so that, that helped quite a bit, but they're doing the same thing next year. You know, you convert to heat pump and you hit a certain uh, efficiency rating and it's a bonanza for the customer. Full disclosure, I do not remember that because I was 12. <laughs> wouldn't, but, expe wouldn't expect you to expect you to but i'm sure the contractors listening remember that and i hope if you uh, are listening you remember that and you can relate because i certainly cannot it was um it you know things were a little bit different then um but you know here we are 15 years later and we're going through the same thing and so you know this whole electrification thing um, everybody has a different viewpoint on it. And I can say that all of my peers, we, we discuss it and there's nothing you can do about it. It's happening and here in California. It's, it's, you know, much more than what a lot of States are seeing, but the state of California is just telling you to leave natural gas in the dust. And that's a hard thing for a lot of us. Right. 
Um, you know, you, you convert from a, a natural gas system to a heat pump system and there's additional electrical cost and, you know, the equipment is expensive and, um, so, but it's, you know, we have to get on board. This is the way the world is headed. And, um, you know, so that's, it's going to be yeah. topical next year. That's for sure. It's topical right now. Yeah. I found when things are happening in California, I can generally expect that to start happening in Virginia, like a few years later. Um, but you know, what's interesting is that in Virginia, they are incentivizing people to convert to natural gas still. Like I remember, I mean, my, my home was natural gas when I moved in, but I remember when I moved here in November of 2018, I moved back here from Kentucky. There was billboards where they're saying they'll pay you to come convert your home to natural gas. This was just four years ago. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next year or two, they'll be saying, hey, same deal. We'll be incentivizing people to transfer or you know, switch from natural gas to electrical and you know, out here, it's it's not just furnaces, right? It's mm -hmm. electric vehicles, and it's all the new housing starts. There's no natural gas service; everything's electric, and um, it's there's a lot here. You know, they're they're it's really just it's a big it's a big thing, and it's a big adjustment to make. And um, not everybody's a fan, but not a lot we can do about it, right? Yeah. Cast your, cast your vote, right? There's, there's what you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, you can cast your vote, and then if that still doesn't help, you just got to adapt and overcome. That's it. All right, we got some rapid-fire topics to hit on. I hope you're ready. I'm, I'm ready for whatever you got for me. All right, well, we already talked about the electrification. I knew that that was going to be a good topic to hit on for California. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next one. This is a big one in the industry right now. Um, been big for the past year or so, uh, but I would love to hear your take on it. Uh, private equity. Um, I, I think that, you know, what we've seen here in the last few years, um, it's changed many businesses and changed our industry. Um, you know, people who you thought were never going to sell their businesses, sold their businesses. And, you know, for all of us who have a residential heating and air conditioning business, we are being courted weekly by everybody under the sun uh, because everybody's buying heating and air conditioning businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, private equity sort of fell in love with our space because they discovered that we were, um, you know, we're a, we're a pandemic proof sector, right? During the pandemic, it was, you know, all the commercial real estate and the restaurant chains that were closed. And, you know, here we were, we're still, you know, we're all still marching along and we're, we're, and, and I think that, you know, that re reaffirmed how attractive a, uh, a space that we were. So you're seeing everybody, um, you know, prepare their businesses for whatever their future exit plan is. But even if you don't have an exit plan, you're going to get contacted and, and uh, they're going to give you an exit plan. And if it makes sense for you, you know, fantastic. If not, then you have to work on your bottom line because that's really what it's all about right now is your EBITDA, right? And um, back in the old days, it used to be about how many service agreements you had. And, but, you know, things have changed. And, and these portfolios, they're looking at cobbling together a, 
an EBITDA number that is as big as they possibly can. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to move their portfolio along in a few years when they do that. So mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, feeding frenzy. A lot, all my friends have sold their businesses, right? And they've, they're sticking around for a couple of years uh, to, you know, to earn their earn out at the end. And, um, you know, and congratulations to them and to anybody who's in the process right now. It's, it's just, uh, never thought we'd saw it, see it at this point, but um, it sure makes it interesting, right? When, the, yeah. when you go to these industry events, that's all anybody's talking about is who's selling their business, who's talking to who about it. It's really, you know, it's a grapevine, but uh, yeah. quite interesting times. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's so many private equity firms out there too, and especially at these events, because like these private equity folks, um, I know, I know Lawrence that you're not active on Facebook really, but in these Facebook groups, these private equity folks are not, they're not noisy in there. You don't even know they exist. They're just in there listening and watching. And then they show up to these events and they blend in. And then next thing you know, you're talking to them. And I, I felt like even at service world expo, I found myself, you know, at these after hour events, networking and whatnot, I must have met three or four new equity firms that I'd never even heard of before. And they're all there for the same reason. Well, they, they see the, you know, the, the potential, right? Mm-hmm. And there are, like we mentioned earlier, there are just thousands of contractors and some of them operate really under the radar. You really have no idea how big they are or how profitable they are. So that's smart of the, the PE firms to be in on those Facebook groups and just listen and do their due diligence and start making contacts. And, you know, before you know it, they've cobbled together two or three or four businesses and, you know, then they can go to other businesses and say, Hey, we've joined this family, right? We've got these three or four shops. And so it's uh, interesting, right? Yeah. What, what do you think the future of that looks like in the next couple of years with private equity? Do you see it crashing and burning or do you see it continuing to grow? Uh, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of smart people talk about that. Um, that same, they've, they've asked that same question and I'm connected with lots of smart people, uh, you know, in and out of private equity. And I think everybody has a different take on it, right? Some people are, running to sell their business right now, thinking that, you know, an economic downturn is going to affect the multiple that they can get. Um, and some folks just think that, you know, if you wait next year, you're probably going to get something relatively close to what you'd get now or two years from now. So, you know, I don't, I I would leave that answer to the experts who uh, live in that space. And, but, Bottom line is that if you're looking to sell your business, um, there are things that you have to get in line, you know, with regard to your financials and, and, and how you operate so that you're attractive to them. Um, because today it's not about service agreements, right? It's, that's not what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, lots of good, lots of good people out there to give great advice, uh, advisors, um, if, if you're looking to sell your business as well. All right, next rapid fire question we got is about best practices groups such as Nextstar, Service Roundtable, Praxis, sales trainers, all those sales trainers that are popping up left and right. What are your thoughts on those? Um, I 
you know, I belonged to the success group um, forever, right? Airtime 500 and spent most of my career in companies where that was the blueprint that we used. So I have, you know, a certain level of fondness and I, you know, everywhere that I worked, um, all of us were a part of that group. And Mr. Abrams and Mr. Young and Terry Nicholson and all the good people that that were part of that organization, they gave us a way to be profitable and to, to run a really solid residential business. So I love the things that they offered us. I'm at a point now where so many years later that, um, you know, I've been down that road and I don't know that there's a ton that I have to gain, um, you know, from those organizations. Um, and they're still all out there. Um, I think that, you know, for some, if you're a, if you're new at this game or if you're a, a contractor who hasn't been around for very long or small and you're hoping to grow, there are great resources that they provide in addition to all the, the, um, the access to all the members, right? Like just all that, that whole thing that we were talking about, how these events bring people together and you grow your network. So I think the networking part of that is really great. Um, and some of them provide some great support. Um, I would never have anything bad to say about any of those groups. I have lots of friends that have just gone on to wild success through Nextstar. Um, and Praxis of course is, is the success group folks. Um, as far as sales trainers go, um, I, I think it's important whether it's a best practices group or a business coach or a sales trainer. To me, the most important thing is whoever you're going to write a check to, just make sure that they've had success doing what they're preaching. Because in this world, in this social media, internet driven world, everybody's an expert, right? And, you know, if you're going to coach salespeople, show me the jobs that you sold and your success in the field. If you're going to coach business people, show me your P&L and your balance sheet and show me that you're running at 20% net profit, right? Whatever the case is, you have to do your due diligence, make sure that whoever you're signing up with um, and, and getting into business with has earned the right to, to, you know, to teach you because it's really easy to, you know, for somebody who's had no success or somebody who hasn't been doing it for 15 years or whatever to preach and to coach. Um, but I would just, I would do my homework and make sure that, uh, the advice that you're getting comes from somebody who's been there and, and had success. Yeah. I think this is a perfect transition into a this isn't a pitch uh, for the listeners but this is an offer um, when it comes to as you all know as contractors you have to i mean you don't have to but you, you should be a licensed contractor like there is certifications and stuff that you have to pass in order to do certain things in marketing there's not there is no that google has certifications but I could go watch a YouTube video and know nothing, watch a YouTube video for 15 seconds and then go turn around and sell marketing services. And there would be no repercussions of that. So if you're looking to hire a marketing agency, uh, head over to our website. I wrote an ebook called everything you need to know about hiring a digital marketing agency. It's not a sales pitch. Uh, it's just good information about what to look for, red flags, questions to ask, stuff like that. Uh, because there are a lot of, snake oil salesmen out there trying to sell you stuff that they don't know how to do. 
themselves. So it's important to do your homework, like Lawrence mentioned. It, it's, but it's everything, Eric. It's, mm -hmm. I, I was talking to somebody about wrapping vehicles, right? Um, and I just told them, I said, give me your referrals, right? I'm not going to do business with somebody that I, I'm not able to talk to other customers so that they can give me, you know, meaningful, um, a meaningful endorsement, right? I just, yeah. you, you got to do your own work. Mm -hmm. You have to. Oh, yeah. Well, the, I mean, in everything, even as something as simple as wrapping a vehicle or hiring a marketing company or a coach, your livelihood can depend on that. If that person comes into your business and tanks, I mean, just completely rips it apart. I mean, your, your whole livelihood could be crushed by that. It, it's true. Um, there are, there are a lot of folks that pay a lot of money for people's services, whether you're a business coach or wrapping trucks or whatever the case is. And, uh, you just can't afford to make a mistake, right? Uh, the, you just hear too many stories about people who, you know, you write a check and, and, and three months later, they're just so regretful, right? I wish I could have, wish I would have saved that money and spent it on marketing, right? A lot of these, a lot of these small companies who are, you know, six, six trucks, 10 trucks, the first thing they do is they want to go out and write a check to have their trucks wrapped. Like that's not the highest priority, right? It's just, anyway, that, that's, that's the experience speaking though. I just, I, I know where I would put my money and that's, it's not going to be to wrap the truck inside of my first year of business. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right. We got, we got a few more rapid fire questions. Are you ready for the heat? Yes. Yes. Bring it. Tesla. In heating and air conditioning. I've heard this. I've heard this. I've read a little bit about it. Um, that guy, right? He's just, he's shaking up the world. He really is. Um, but how can you not have just so much respect for somebody who in business has affected so many areas of our life and he's been so successful? Mm -hmm. That's frightening if you're in heating and air conditioning, right? If you're Lennox or Train or Carrier or Goodman to know that that guy wants to get into the space, whew, um, because you know that he's going to do it better than anybody else, right? Yeah. So yeah, if he's coming, boy, look out. I'm sure he's going to put something on the table that is going to be really compelling. You know, oh, yeah. he'll figure it out. Yeah. I was doing some reading on him the other day when all the Twitter stuff was happening and I didn't realize this, but like his first, like, you know, his big breakthrough in business was when he sold, uh, PayPal, PayPal. Yeah. I was like, I, I had no clue. And that made me even, I, even more, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Of course, like, of course, Elon's done that too. Like PayPal is, it's huge. It's incredible. And, and that was his first, his first, you know, break in the, in the business world was PayPal. Now he's sending cars to Mars and buying Twitter. <laughs> hey, back in, uh, oh, I don't know, around 2009 or so, um, you know, one of my companies here was selling solar, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, then all of a sudden Solar City comes in and they turn the industry on its head, right? And um, and then you realize that, oh, he was the guy behind all of that, right? He's just a very smart guy that's really affected a lot of walks of life. So, yeah. All right, next, next topic. Uh, this is something that, 
uh, stirred up a huge mess on Facebook a few weeks ago. I, I texted you a screenshot of it because I knew that I, I just wanted to know what your opinion was on it at the time. And then I know you went to Victor's event, which I'm sure there was some more talk about it at the time too because that whole debacle happened right before his event. Memberships are dead. Um, yes, no, maybe a little bit of both. Um, uh, memberships will never die, right? Um, and I think that when he said that, and I'm not on Facebook, so I, I didn't see it, but, and, and he had a chance that was brought up in, on stage in front of thousands of people and, you know, got a raucous reaction and he explained it. Um, and, but I think that to me, you know, it's just, it's the critical mass. It's such an important part of what we do. And I'm thankful that all of my technicians have enough work this month and next month and in January. Um, and the reason that we do is because of the memberships that we sell. Mm -hmm. So private equity might not be paying attention to whether we have five or 10,000 memberships or whatever the number is. Um, but I am because I'm the one that has to either tell somebody that I don't have work for them today or say, Hey, you've got a full route, go out there and kill it. Right. Yeah. So memberships are, they're alive and well. And, uh, at Brody Pinnell, they always will be. Yeah. I agree with you there. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm not on like one side or the other because I run a marketing company. I don't really know. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how important memberships are or anything like that. Um, but I think that reviews are important and I think memberships are important. I don't think that it has to be a one or the other type of deal. Like I, I think we could, we could have good reviews and a lot of memberships. But the reviews turn into your memberships, right? It, yeah. You're piling up all these five-star reviews so that people scroll and say, Hey, here's a five-star company. Let me do business with them. And then, but once you're getting into the house, you have to capture the opportunity. Yeah. If you're just, if you're, if you're looking to go in there and just, you just give them a great tune up or, 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 you know, a great show and you walk out without capturing the customer and making them your own, then you've done it wrong. Yeah. You, you have to capitalize. And that's why it's so important to go back on, I mean, probably minute mark 15 of this conversation. You have to be better at recruiting, retaining, training, all that stuff so that when you have 800, 900, 1,000 five-star reviews and you have people calling you for service, you're not sending some rum-dum into their house because you finally got a phone call. You want to make sure that you're sending, you know, everyone that goes on that call is going to either flip it into some type of work or get the membership out of it because they know what they're doing. With what it costs us to acquire a customer, that this is why we have to live by the numbers and we have to make sure that we're dispatching based upon performance, right? Because, you know, if, if your schedule, if your service schedule is light, you need every one of those calls to turn into a service agreement or a five-star review or a sales lead, whatever you, you, you just, you have to capture you've, the, the acquisition cost. You can't just let them walk away. What yeah. a disappointment that would be is to run a, a service schedule full of calls and, have no permanent customers to show for it at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. We got a few others on here. We've, we've touched on a few of these already. Um, we've, we've talked about your market and kind of the saturation of it. Um, but it, it seems that more people are, are coming into that market. Like you, you've got, 
you've got next gen who was originally like what orange county in a area you've got service champions you've got Gettle, you've got you've got a lot of big players in your market um what is your mindset around all of that as you walk into the company every morning to lead your people? I think it's great. I think it's great. And, you know, those are three really big names and those are three pretty sophisticated operators. And I have great relationships with the owner of each of those businesses. And I plan to keep it that way. And there's room for all of us in this city of 15 million or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just so much opportunity, so many homes, so much old equipment. And if I don't get it, then Ken Goodrich is going to get it or Leland Smith is going to get it or Ishmael is going to get it. Right. Um, but we're, you know, and and the more that those other companies penetrate this market, I'll, I'll see them more. We'll be up against them more as far as bidding. Um, but I think it's great. I think it's great. I think that the customer ends up if you have sophisticated contractors that you're that you're competing against, it's the customer stands to gain. And, and, and instead, we're pushing out chucking a truck, the unlicensed guy that's not going to do it the right way. But if they're choosing between me and service champions or me and next gen or me and Gettle, um, it's a win for the customer, right? Mm-hmm. So I think all of us welcome the competition. There's more than enough room for all of us in this town. And um you know, um, it's, it's exciting times to see other players in this marketplace. You know, you turn on the TV and there's ads for all of them on TV. And, um, so I think it's great. This is this, it's fun. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a refreshing take on competition. Cause I think a lot of people get, uh, they get, you know, they get feisty and they get ugly when it comes to competition, but I think, I think competition is a good thing. And I think that if you've got your, uh, if you know your ideal customer, and you've got your, you know, who you are as a company figured out and how you go to market with your message, having competition is good because your ideal customer is not going to align with them. They're going to align with you. So having all that, you know, kind of there next to you, it'll make your brand a no brainer for whoever it is that you want anyways. It makes all of us sharper. Um, I know that if I'm competing against those companies, my guarantees have to be on point my pricing, my trucks, uniforms, my company representatives, my CSRs, everything. We have to give a better experience because for those people who are shopping and they're calling three companies out for an estimate, we have to deliver an experience that is superior to the others. So we're just helping each other. It's mm-hmm. really good for the business and good for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a stat I read the other day, we were talking about chucking the trucks right now. Um, so there's, 100 and a little over a hundred thousand registered heating and air conditioning businesses in the United States. Incredible. There's 212,000 people who, according to whatever the census was at the time, indicated that they're a heating and air conditioning technician, installer, etc. So that's a two to one. Essentially, if every heating and air conditioning company was was just it was all fair. Every company would have two employees. So it just makes you wonder about how many chucking the trucks there are out there. A lot, a lot. And it's, it's bad for, it's bad for the customer. It's bad for the industry. Um, these folks, 
you know, everybody's got to make a living, but that's just, you know, no license, no training, no uh, uh, workers' compensation insurance, no insurance. You know, you shift all the liability to the customer. And, you know, for those customers who make it all about price and they want to go with the, you know, $6,000 split system, they're going to buy a litany of callbacks and a company that won't come back out to, you know, to, to do the warranty work. And, you know, it's just a bad, it's a bad deal for, for the homeowners. So the, the more that we can do to expose that and to, um, you know, rid the marketplace of those kinds of, of, of people, the better. Yeah. So what's 2023 look like for Bertie Pinnell? This will be, uh, once again, the biggest year in company history. We are, you know, just like we talked about in the first 15 minutes here, this is the most important quarter for us. We have a great recruiting plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, on an interviewing standpoint, I limit it to four a day, right? And it's usually technicians and installers. Um, and, you know, when you see a wide swath of people, it allows you to make great decisions for your business, right? If you have a great recruiting plan, you know, you get to choose from a ton of people. And so, um, so the recruiting uh, is, is big for next year. Um, and, you know, there are other things that we all have to navigate as, as residential heating and air conditioning business owners. And that is coming up with enough vehicles, um, negotiating your pricing with the vendors as the equipment changes happen. There's just, there's a lot happening. Right. And, um, so, you know, this is, this is the time that you really have to work that much harder. And that's what we're doing here. Looking forward to a a really big year next year and, um, welcoming all the, uh, the competition. And, um, you know, we're excited this, I, I feel like we're in the best place that we've been in here right now. And, and, really excited about the future of this business. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to continue our check-in podcast uh, recordings. This is fun. I think that we should do like, at some point we should piece all of them together into just like an audio book. Cause I remember, I mean, the first time we recorded, I think you were, I, I Brody was seven, $8 million about to wrap up. I guess it was first few months you were there. And then, I've been here for 21 months now. And, yeah. um, you know, we've, we've more than doubled the the top line and, and our bottom line has, it's just, it's been a wild increase. Um, but Eric, this was, this was just a, a company that had underperformed and it just needed training. It needed good people. It needed process. It really needed process. And, um, you know, that's no knock against the people that had been here before, but our ownership group, we just were looking at it a different way. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've all been exposed to stuff that, um, you know, the, the prior folks hadn't been. And so it's, it's really been great for the business. Everybody's really on board and excited to, to see new ways of doing things that they had never seen before. So it's been a, a very exciting two years. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm excited to see what you all accomplish in 2023. Um, I, I know you'll you'll crush it. Excited to get back out there. I've um, I've been uh, 
been hankering for some at least some type of warmer weather. We've kind of been getting I mean, I know we kind of get similar weather out here, but today is the warmest day we've had in a while and it's like 70 degrees. So during the winter time, November, December, January, there will be a weekend here or there where it's 85, 87 degrees. And, um, you know, that's what people move here for, right? They don't yeah. want to be in, you know, the cold weather of the, the Northeast or the middle of the country. And, um, you know, it's always sunny here and there's palm trees and movie stars and beaches and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's a great place to, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to own a business. It's, um, it's a great place to be in our industry. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's why you see so much written and spoken about the companies that we've discussed here today. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big market with a lot of, uh, big name players. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'd, I don't want to keep taking up too much time here. Um, when we were there in the spring, you I remember I, I'd never been to LA and I'd always heard you talk about, you know, just some of the, just the beauty and awe of some of these homes that you work on and the views. And the first house I went to kind of just looked like your typical, like Victorian style home, pretty old, decent neighborhood. Um, I was like, Oh, this is pretty nice. Whatever. Uh, went to the next house in Beverly Hills. And, um, I don't remember who I was with, but they were like, Oh, come on, come up on the roof and check this out. And I was like, all right. So here I am climbing up on a roof. And, um, I mean, it, you could just see all of Hollywood and Beverly Hills and just everything. You can see the the downtown skyline from this roof. And I'm just like, wow, these homes were just massive 15 systems on this home. I just, there's a pool house with a full system on it. There's a, a, a in-law suite with a full system on it. There's three, four systems just for that first half of the house is ridiculous. We have an opportunity here. You know, we, we, we service everybody, right? doesn't matter how humble or small your home is or where you're at, but we, you know, we have the opportunity to walk into a lot of places that have 20 and 30 systems. Right. And, you know, with those kinds of jobs, I'm sending multiple people out there uh, to do service and, um, some of the stuff that you see is just, you know, a fantastic amount of wealth and incredible properties with bells and whistles that you, you know, you could only imagine existed. So, um, you know, we're, we're at the foot of Beverly Hills and have been for 77 years. So these are our clients and, um, the Los Angeles times, I did an interview with them, uh, three weeks ago, maybe. And they did a, a cover story on the largest residential home in America, um, residential home, I, I, <laughs> uh, the largest home in America. And, uh, it's right up the street here. It's got 47 bathrooms, I think. Wow. Um, and anyway, they were asking about how much it would cost to, to heat and cool at home, but like it's, you know, it's on a Vista overlooks the whole city. It, this is everywhere, not to that size, but there are a lot of houses that have, you know, 20, 25 bathrooms. It's just, we have a chance to see some really incredible stuff. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, yeah, come on back out and we'll show you some, some really cool stuff. Yeah. Always down. All right. Well, as we, uh, as we wrap up here, Lawrence, uh, is there anything I missed or anything that you wanted to hit on that I may not have covered yet? No, I, I you know, in, in trying to help the contractors, I just think that, 
they, they really need to understand that this is the quarter where they have to work harder and not just sit back and, you know, let go of a few people, lay off some folks and, you know, operate a smaller business. That's not going to help you to grow. That's not going to help you next April and May. You have to work really hard right now, interview a ton of people, work on your marketing, test some stuff, right? This is, this is a great time to test to see what works. Talk to your friends in the industry find out what's working for them. That's just, that's a really important component. Um, and spend wisely, right? Um, it's, you know, we have to work extra hard to create that urgency at this time of the year. So I think if they follow some of that stuff, um, that, that could help. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Lawrence, this has been again, a great episode, great conversation. I, I really appreciate you joining me on the show again this week. My pleasure. Um, always enjoyed talking to you and just, you know, sharing whatever I know with, with other contractors. So thanks for having me. Yep. Absolutely. Lawrence, what's a, uh, what's a good way for people to reach out, connect with you if they want to chat, pick your brain, anything like that? Sure. Um, my email address is my first initial L and my last name Castillo, which is C A S T I L L O at Brody Pinnell. And that's B R O D Y P E N N E L L com, And um, happy to help. Willing to chat with anybody who is looking for some, uh, some guidance. Awesome. Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we will be chatting soon. Great. Thanks, Eric. All right, bye. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.